0: Amen. Thank you so much, worship team, this morning. That was very worshipful. Well, this morning we are turning in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. So let's open our Bibles. Everybody say, word, word. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. This morning's message is entitled, The Battleground of the Mind. The Battleground of the Mind. Our minds are under attack by a virus uh, that is spreading among us faster than COVID-19. It is in fact, uh, more destructive than the expected economic fallout. This virus is destroying us. It is tearing away at the very fabric of our minds and our hearts and our spiritual lives. It is the virus of fear and panic And gripping anxiety and worry, it is the true pandemic. It is a virus that is literally killing our spiritual lives. And so with that in mind, we are turning our attention to Philippians chapter 4, to what we will read is a series of succinctly worded exhortations or spiritual challenges and really practical life practices. Now, the letter of Philippians was written by Paul the Apostle to one of the very first churches he had planted in Europe. Now, while Paul is writing this particular letter, he is in chains, awaiting trial in Rome, and by all accounts is soon to be put to death at the hands of Emperor Nero. Now, the church at Philippi had sent a very gracious gift to Paul while he was in prison, and so taking the opportunity, he writes a very tender and timely letter to this lovely little church that was facing really tough times in a season of suffering. This letter then becomes words that are very applicable for us this morning. And as we turn our attention to Philippians 4, we are picking up mid-thought as Paul is quickly approaching the conclusion of his letter. And as Paul often did, he finishes with a series of exhortations. Again, spiritual challenges and practical life practices. Essentially, this is how we live out our spiritual faith in really tough times. Paul writes and is setting these exhortations that we are going to read in a context and in a language of tender and loving shepherding. Look with me right now, Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. And he concludes the verse with, my beloved. Paul uses five expressions of love. First, he calls them family, brothers and sisters. Then he relays how he loves and longs for them as they are apart the church at philippi is his joy and his exceedingly great reward they are his beloved that is the objects of his affections you know i can really relate to paul's sentiment and heart as he writes these words this morning with each passing week my love and longing for you as the church grows only stronger We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we love and we long for one another. You are my joy and my exceedingly great reward, and my prayer has been and continues to be that you are having a peaceful morning this morning, my dearly beloved. And so while Paul is away from the ones he loves, Paul extends a series of exhortations. He's challenging their inner convictions as Christians to live out their faith in really unstable and unprecedented times. That in his absence, all the more they should continue in their spiritual resolve to live out the gospel and the spiritual life, no matter what the difficulties they are currently facing. And so this morning, we are going to look at five essential exhortations, five practical ways of living out our faith in uncertain times, five essential exhortations. Paul first says, stand firm in the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, again, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm thus in Lord the Lord. Now to stand firm means to be firmly committed in conviction and belief. It is that inner spiritual resolve that no matter what we are facing, we are going to stand firm in our faith. Now these words are very reminiscent of another passage found in the book of Ephesians, and so I want you to turn with me just to the left. To the book of Ephesians, we're going to be looking at chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, and again we're picking up at the end of a letter. And Paul is finishing the letter to the church at Ephesus with a series of exhortations. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul writes this, finally, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He's not challenging them to be strong in their own strength. He says, no, be strong in the strength of God's might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes that is the plotting and planning and deception of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is not a physical fight. It is a spiritual war we are fighting. And that is why Paul challenges us in the Holy Spirit to put on the whole spiritual armor. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm, verse 14, stand. Now this is battle language. Paul is essentially telling us to be strong and of courage and in the strength of God's might to put on the whole spiritual armor and to take a stand. Our faith has been built for the battle. Our faith has been built for the battle. But I I believe right now what we are learning is how much of our spiritual lives have been firmly rooted and built on Christ, and how much of our spiritual life has been rooted in the shifting sands and the creature comforts of culture. I think this is going to sting just a little bit. But remember, this is set in the context of love and affection, Family, if it is easier for us to stand in the Lord when things are going well, then it is not the Lord we are standing on. I'm going to go ahead and repeat that. If it is easier for us to stand in the Lord when things are going well, then it is not the Lord we are actually standing on. For many of us, it has felt like lately our spiritual legs are being kicked out from under us. I mean, I myself am realizing that I have, I have this, this firm footing on both. Like, I have my, f- my foot planted on Christ, but I also have my foot firmly planted on culture. It's like I have one foot on the rock and one foot on sand, and the storm has begun, and the rains are falling, and the winds are blowing, and that foot that I have on sand is losing its grip. The foundation is giving way. Which has propelled me all the more to cling to Christ, to plant both feet on Christ, His word, His teaching, and His life. That is, the old hymn records on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is shifting sand. Paul encourages, Paul exhorts us to stand firm in the Lord, dressed for battle, for there is a a war that is waging for our hearts and our minds and our very lives. And while we stand firm in the Lord, we are exhorted to joy. Which is going to sound a little crazy, right? Because we're standing there dressed for battle, but we are told that we are to be joyous. In fact, it is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's one of our weapons. The joy of the Lord is not only our strength, it is one of our spiritual weapons in the fight. The second exhortation, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4.4. Paul the Apostle writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now this is a very odd concept and mindset, especially in view that the guy who's writing this particular letter is in chains. And especially in view that the original recipients of this letter, the church at Philippi, were in a season of suffering. There was nothing circumstantially that they were experiencing that would have sparked joy. You will notice that Paul did not say, rejoice in your circumstances. No, that would be a very unstable joy at best. And I believe that's one of the reasons where our culture is being absolutely rocked right now. Now, the other day, I opened up a piece of dove chocolate. I mean, and I just got to say, dove chocolate, it's okay. It's no myconite, but it was still pretty tasty. And as I opened it up, I, I, I noticed that there was a message written inside this little piece of dove chocolate. And this is, how, this is what it read Find joy and comfort in chocolate. Find joy and comfort in chocolate. And as I read that, I'm like, wow, try building your life on that. But isn't that our culture? I mean, fill in the blank, right? Find joy and comfort in career and possessions and education. Find joy and comfort in family and health and wellness and retirement. And the list just continues to go on. But as the Christian, the message is clear. We are to find our joy and our comfort in Christ. Family, the Christian always has something to be joyous about. Even if we have nothing and have Jesus, we have all that we need to be joyous. I love this quote by J. Vernon McGee. He writes this concerning uh, regards to this verse. He says, this is a commandment to a Christian. Now, this is, this is not for the unbeliever. This is for the believer. And so if you are a believer today, this is a commandment to us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not sometimes. Not when things are feeling good, but always. He goes on to write, This means regardless of the day, whether it is dark or bright, whether it is difficult or easy, whether it brings problems, in temptations or clear sailing and cloud nine, we are commanded to rejoice. And in just, just in case we missed it, Paul doubles down. He says, Not only are we to rejoice in the Lord always, Paul then goes on, Again I say, rejoice. So we take our stand in the Lord, dress for the battle. And as we take our stand in the Lord, we rejoice in the Lord. And while we rejoice, we are exhorted to reasonableness. The third exhortation uh, of this morning and of the passage, be reasonable. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5. Paul writes this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now the word reasonable, it essentially means to be gentle, gentle. Not pushy. It means to be gracious and patient and others focused. So, in a word, (laughs) and in this world, it essentially means to be different. So, this week my computer crashed. And I sort of need a computer right now, right? Like, considering everything we are doing is on the computer. So, I went to Best Buy. I mean, well, I say that. I went to Best Buy. I sat outside of Best Buy because they weren't actually allowing people inside, so they sent a rep outside, and I, it became painfully obvious how, how hungry I am for, like, relationship because the Best Buy rep came walking out, and all of a sudden I was like, you're my best friend. Let's exchange numbers. And he's like, uh, uh, I'm just here to show you what we offer. And so he brought me through a series or showed me a series of options, and he told me, he said, go ahead and pay online. And in 15 minutes, your order will be ready. And I was like, whoa, that's amazing. So just pay online 15 minutes later. So, three and a half hours later, the guy comes out with my computer. And I could really see it on his face. You know, he was expecting a real tongue lashing. But here's what this guy didn't know as I sat in my truck, I was enjoying time with the Lord. I had the opportunity to read some scripture and to pray. It was actually very peaceful there in that parking lot. It was nice weather, and uh, I wasn't at home with all the crazies. You know what I'm saying? So it was pretty peaceful. Well, the guy comes out and he tells me that the computer had gotten stuck in some type of holding pattern and that it took five different employees who worked together to get the problem resolved so I could get my computer. And, you know, the first thought, my immediate thought was, wow, what a blessing. Five different people invested their time and energy to resolve this issue so I could get my computer. I graciously thanked the employee, and as he walked away, I asked him to relay my appreciation to the other five employees that I was grateful for their service. (laughs) The guy honestly looked bewildered and immediately radioed to his fellow employees my appreciation. Family, it's just so easy to get caught up and tripped up right now by our own agendas. As Christ followers, we are not here to be served, but to serve and give our lives for others, to love others as Christ has loved us. Let your reasonableness be known to those around you. Let your reasonableness also Be known at home. Because we are promised here that the Lord is at hand. He is coming. He is soon to return. Let that shape your day. You know what? I don't want the Lord showing up as I'm giving a Best Best Buy guy a tongue lashing. Let that be something that shapes your mind and your heart that the Lord is soon to return. That let our reasonableness be she- seen to the world, but let it also be experienced in our homes. Family, I want to encourage you, be gentle and gracious with one another. As Ephesians 4 verse 32 tells us, be kind and tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ has forgiven us. Everyone is having a tough time right now. And this tough time is not made better by our unreasonableness. So while we are exhorted to stand firm in the Lord, and while we stand firm in the Lord, we are to stand firm in our rejoicing. And as we rejoice, we are to be reasonable to others. We now pick up where we left off over the past few weeks with our next exhortation. It literally picks up right where we left off where Jesus was saying, do not be anxious about your life and do not be anxious about tomorrow. Paul now simply adds, (laughs) do not be anxious about anything. Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. Paul writes, do not be anxious A word meaning fearful or panicked or gripped with anxiousness and worry about anything. Now, the word anything, it's interesting. Because it essentially means to not be anxious about one single thing. Which is kind of funny. Because that is the virus that is infecting and affecting our hearts and our minds and our lives. It is the virus of anxiety and fear and panic and worry that is, in fact, destroying our inner spiritual life. So what do we do with it? What do we do with our worries and our concerns and our overwhelmed mind? Well, Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything but in everything. to not be anxious about one single thing but in every single thing by prayer, And supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. That in every single thing, we are to go to God in prayer. You see, family, prayer is the place where we bring our supplications. That is our intercessions for self and for others. Prayer is the place where we bring our thanksgiving and our gratitude. That as Christ's followers, we always always have something to be thankful for. And it is in prayer where we make our requests known to God. Which sounds a little odd because we're sitting there and we're like, wait, God doesn't know what my needs are? Why do I need to let my request be known to him? Well, just as we saw last week in Matthew chapter 6, Verses 32 and 33, we are reminded that our Father in heaven knows what we need. But we are exhorted to seek first the kingdom of God and trust that all of the things we need will be added. Something spiritual and miraculous happens. It's like a divine exchange when we come and we make our request known to God, we bring him our burdens and our fears and our anxiousness and our worries and prayer. And he gives us his peace. Look at verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts And your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the only place in the New Testament where we read that we receive the peace of God, or more literally, the peace from God as something that we receive. This is describing an inner tranquility that all of us can have, even as hell is literally breaking out around us. It is an inner calm and an inner peace that boggles the intellect. It doesn't make sense. It's like trying to explain it and, and words just seem to fail. It's like when the person comes up to you and they're like, why aren't you freaking out? And we're like, well, well I pray. Yeah, 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 but why aren't you freaking out right now? Did you hear about everything that's happening? Why aren't you panicking? I um, I pray. It's a spiritual miracle afforded to us in Christ. Family, there are times when we go to God in prayer and in simple desperation, we cry out to him. We bring him our prayers and our concerns and worries and thanksgiving and requests and our prayers for others. And it's like in the process, this weight is lifted from our souls. It's a miracle when panic is replaced with peace and when chaos is replaced replaced with calm. And where once we had a worried mind, we now have a worshipful heart. And that peace and inner tranquility, it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard, Paul is using a military term. That implies that our minds are a battleground that need to be protected by military guard from a hostile invasion. If that is not a description of what is actually happening right now, I don't know what is. Our minds are under attack by a hostile invasion. So we take our stand in the Lord, and we rejoice. And as we rejoice, we serve others. And as we serve others, we pray. And while we pray, we use our minds to think on and meditate on the things of Christ. Because family, something we need to be aware of right now is this. The virus of fear is being spread through every conceivable interaction with the world right now, through every news article that we read by some couch cushion prophet with a laptop, by every projection and perceived outcome by some scientific expert or economic fortune teller. Family, we are essentially filling our hearts and minds with scientific and economic horoscopes. Because no one, and I repeat, no one knows what the future holds except for the one who holds the future. And each horoscope that we're reading right now is worse than the one that preceded it. And on top of that, we are now streaming our stress. One of the most popular genres of shows and movies right now, know I'm not going to talk about Tiger King, But one of the most common genres or most popular genres in movies right now are movies and shows like Contagion and Outbreak, which are literally about the spread of a deadly virus and the ensuing pandemic. We are filling our hearts and minds with fear, and it's infecting us. We have got to stop streaming stress and following fear and watching worry because family, our minds are under attack and we need to train and discipline our minds for the battle. That is why Paul concludes with our fifth exhortation. He says, don't think about those things. Think about these things. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, that right there eliminates 95% of stuff on social media. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, that is whatever is holy, whatever is just, that is good and virtuous, whatever is pure, that is godly and good, whatever is lovely, that which brings joy to the heart, whatever is commendable, these are the things that we wouldn't be ashamed to share with others. If there's anything excellent or virtuous, if there's anything worthy of praise, and as I think about that, I'm like, God's worthy of praise. We are going to praise him for eternity. And so regardless of the circumstances, let us begin that holy undertaking that we will continue on for eternity. We are to think about these things and to continue thinking about these things. We're, we're so, to be so caught up in these things that we literally should not be able to think about those things. Family, we don't have a lot of power over stuff in our life right now. But we do have power over what we think about and what we fill our minds and hearts with right now. And so Paul ties this discussion together. And I'm going to go ahead, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sneak in another little exhortation, but I think you're going to be grateful I did. So we're going to call this the sixth exhortation. I'm just going to kind of sneak it on in there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Paul says this, he writes this, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, he's like, what I demonstrated with you when I was with you, what you heard me teach, what you saw exemplified in my life, what I am writing to you. He says, practice these things. I am so grateful that Paul the apostle did not say perfect these things. And he's essentially saying it is progress and not perfection. And he says, as you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. And so as we practice standing firm in the Lord and as we stand firm in the Lord, we practice joy and rejoicing in the Lord. And as we practice that, we practice being reasonable to people around us. And as we practice, we turn to God in prayer. And we bring to him our anxieties and our worries. And as we practice that firm footing in prayer, we also practice the things that we think about, thinking about good, holy, good, pleasing things. Just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and things worthy of praise. And as we practice these things and continue to practice these things, things we never are going to perfect, but we keep practicing our faith. And as we practice The God of peace is with us. So my encouragement and my final exhortation to you and to me, let us continue, continue practicing these things. Let us continue practicing these things. Well, I feel like uh, that gives us plenty to think about this morning. And so let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your words today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for inspiring Paul to write these tender and timely words to the church at Philippi. These tender and timely words that are so applicable to us, the church at Firewheel. We pray today for the courage to walk in the strength of your might To stand firm in you, Lord, and not in culture. May our feet be firmly planted on you, Christ. You are the rock. All other ground is shifting sand. We pray that our faith would grow during this time. We ask for healing and provision. We ask for protection. And we ask, Lord Jesus, please allow us to be your ambassadors of grace and reasonableness to the world and to our homes. I pray this morning for those who feel alone, isolated. May you, Lord Jesus, be with them in in really tender ways that they would find comfort in your presence. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We pray this all in your name. Amen.